warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm Gemma, my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today we are doing our part three of the Barbie and Ken killers, and we're going to be diving into the trial or the kind of the arrest and the trial, and then there will be another episode there. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just turned into so many parters. So many, so many. But hey, it's been a long time since we've had a big multi-parter, so. I know. I got excited about it. We literally, guys, it's it's literally, we just keep talking until we're done, like, with whatever info we find, so. That's pretty much it. Yeah, we, we don't really, like, I mean, obviously we plan, but, like, <laughs> I was like, there's not anything that determines this is going to be this many episodes, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. with these ones, it's just like, we're going to just, we have the slots <laughs> if we need it, if not, cool. <laughs> It was like with this one, we were like, we're going to use two. And then like, we kind of started doing it. And then it was, oh, shit, no, we need at least three. Yeah. And then you were in the last episode. We're just like, this is over an hour (laughs) just for this part. And I was like, well, hell, it's going to just be multi, multi, multi partners. Just keeps on coming. But hey, you know, that's why we're all here is to talk about this case. Yeah. So, so, quick recap. We went through all of the crimes committed by Paul and Carla and provided some background on them as a couple and some scary things that happened with an iguana. I went to watch a video I had watched pre- for the previous episode to like remember something. And of course, my dumb ass starts the video right in the middle of this horrific iguana story. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to live this anymore (laughs) like oh so bad i had mentally blocked it from my mind yes okay so the last kind of big thing was paul attacking carla and her finally being like peace bitch and she leaves right Mm -hmm. well after that attack she stayed with her aunt and uncle and she started to keep a journal or a diary writing down all the things paul did to her She would say she was terrified, but she called and wrote letters to all of her friends saying, announcing her divorce, basically. So think ahead of her time. So if Carla was like, 
this was happening like now, she would have totally had a, a divorce like raging <gasps> party. <laughs> she also would have had like a tweet, uh, like a Twitter or now an X feed that would just be oh, like, God. fucking leaving this asshole. Yep, pretty much. She, yeah. So <laughs> she wrote and called everybody and told them everything and told people literally all the tea on their relationship. And she loved this attention she was getting from it. So, of course. Yes. So one woman she wrote to that she was friends with, her name was Debbie Purdy. And a little snippet from one of their letters said, quote, I've left Paul for good, a true wife beater. I'm getting a divorce as soon as possible. Yay. Exclamation point. Write to me. I need to hear from friends. Oh, this kind of sets up that whole like, isolated he's controlling me Mm -hmm. i just carla carla is she's a manipulative queen yes and another quote i wrote down was from from letters from her he took five years of my life and i'm not allowing him to take any more i'm really excited about my new life i can't wait end quote so interesting yes So she obviously went to the doctor during all of this and stuff, and she was telling her doctor that she was depressed, but her doctor had left a note saying she seemed happy, optimistic, and basically everything the opposite of being depressed. Hmm. Her behavior to follow also coincides with this. She went out to the sugar shack a lot, which was like a bar, like a local bar, And was no, like it was known she was on the prowl for another man to take care of her. Interesting choices, Carla. Interesting choices. Yes. Now, Carla, another person she wrote to was her old manager, Christy, at one of the animal hospitals she worked at or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Christy went to see her. She said she assumed after experiencing all of these horrible things, Carla would need some cheering up, which, yeah, that's that's common. That's like what everybody would think. That's your common reaction. But when she got there, she said the same thing as the doctor. She was said that Carla was her normal, bubbly, happy self. And literally one of the things I saw, she said she didn't need cheering up, that she seemed over it within two weeks. Interesting. Yes. Interesting insight there. Now, one of the detectives, Ron Whitefield, went and visited Carla, and they pretty much avoided any contact at first. Like, Carla was, like, acting like she wasn't home. She was dodging phone calls. They didn't answer the door when they went the first time, trying to talk to her or whatever. But she finally did agree to meet with them. Something else to note. That also supports she's having this like carefree normal behavior is that on one of her trips to the Sugar Shack on February 5th, she met a man named Jim Hutton and they met up again the following night as well at the bar. And it was said they uh, they had a one night stand. Ah, okay, Yes. Which in turn means, you know, Paul's spiraling at this point. So it's true. Yes. You may mention this later, but something I had to write down that was really weird that also came to people's attention. 
was that in like the pictures they took of Carla, she's wearing Kristen's watch. Oh, no, I did the not. The Mickey. Know. Yes. So it's like a very specific watch. Like the watch band was leather and it was pink and it had like white, like Mickey heads. Aw. Very specific, you know, not just like a tan leather band. Right. So, yeah. And Carla's not dumb by any stretch of the imagination. She's smart. She was interviewed, not arrested, nothing like that yet. She's being interviewed with them for five hours. And she knew that they knew Paul was responsible for this. And when they asked her about the watch, she started getting pissed. And she came up with a story that it was Lori's, her her other sister's. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, it belongs to her. I borrowed it. I don't know where she got it from kind of thing. But when she realized, oh, shit, like, I cannot talk myself out of this, she decided to spill the tea. Air quotes or not. <laughs> I just love, like, the the concept of Carla just like, oh, cr- crap. Okay, now I'm just going to tell the truth. And by truth, I mean, like, my own version of it. <laughs> yes. And... If you guys are interested in obviously like the full five hours, you can look up all the transcripts and everything. I found an article that had part of the transcripts that gives us pretty much like a very clear picture on what happened. So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you guys and we'll go from there. So keep in mind, too, for time frame, this is like early 93. So it says the following excerpts are from police interviews with Carla in early 93. At the time, both sides were assessing a potential plea bargain under which she could testify against Paul, obviously for like a lesser sentence. Mm -hmm. So when it came up about like acknowledging Paul is a Scarborough rapist, she says, I knew for sure he was the Scarborough rapist because he told me on our wedding night. He was proud of it. He said, you know, that we had raped all these girls and he was going to get away with it. He said we? Uh-huh. She a dumbass. She just told on herself. Uh-huh. Another quote was, well, I was a little bit shocked. Well, not really shocked because he had been teasing me about it for so long. But I was thinking like, what a great thing to find out on your wedding night that your husband's a rapist. And then she's also, we got some info, supposedly, from Carla about Tammy. So she also talks about the murder or death, depending on what you think happened, Mm -hmm. of her sister. She said that she was drugged into unconsciousness so the couple could molest her. He pretty much had me under his thumb by then. He basically told me that he wanted to have sex with her, and I basically didn't have a choice. It was either him have sex with her or get beaten. So I chose for him to have sex with her, stupidly thinking it would be just a one-time thing, and that after it was over, I wouldn't get hit anymore, and he would be satisfied. I was so stupid. After all this happened, Paul tried to kill himself. It was in my bedroom. Thanks a lot, Paul. Like, are you fucking, like, what the fuck, you crazy person? It's just like, thanks a lot, Paul. You ruined my bedroom for me. God. (laughs) He was in my bedroom and he took all of the pills that were left, plus more that I got. I wish that he had died, but he didn't. All he did was sleep. He didn't vomit. He didn't die, obviously, but I was hoping. Okay. I do have want to point out one thing she said. 
she said he took all of the pills that I had, plus more that I got. So let's I'm paraphrasing. She's admitting shit without realizing she's admitting right. shit. Yeah. She's just over here being like, I am definitely more than just like a little bitty accessory to this murder. A hundred percent. Well, she also spoke about Leslie in regards to that abduction and murder. She said, he took me aside and said, we have to kill her because she can identify me. And if she can identify me, then they're going to know I'm the Scarborough rapist and I'm going to go to jail. I was very upset because I didn't want him to go to jail because I didn't quite hate him as much as I do now. I wanted to let her go, but I did agree with him that she could identify him. There's more. As she was falling asleep, I knew she was very scared because I'm sure that she knew she was going to die. I gave her a teddy bear to hold on to, to comfort her. His name is Bunky and he's really cute. So she took it and hugged it and fell asleep. Then Paul strangled her. Oh, and I forgot one thing. When I gave her the teddy bear, I told her, it's okay, or words to that effect. It was so stupid because I never should have gotten to know her, just like I never should have gotten to know Kristen, because you get emotionally involved with these people and it really hurts. It hurts a lot more because I feel like I was friends with both of them, especially Kristen, because we did so much stuff together on the abdu- Oh my God. Yeah. No, sorry. Let's go on to my next one. Like, What? I know. It's just... I, I can't... I can hear and watch and read that so many times, and I'm just like... Feel sorry no for words. me. I got right? emotionally attached to people I fucking tortured and murdered. Fuck. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And she also spoke, of course, on the abduction and murder of Kristen French. She mentioned Kristen quite a bit, but she says she fought a lot, and she didn't scream, barely at all. She was just very quiet. He put her in the car and she kept fighting and kicking back. And I just sat there and I grabbed her hair to hold her in there. I got too emotionally involved. Like, it's hard to explain because you've never been through this. You know, she became a friend. This is making me so mad. I felt close to her. I felt like, you know, two girlfriends talking more than what the situation really was. Bruh. Bruh. So basically, no. these girls are trying to save their lives so dramatically, like so desperately, that they're like, I'm going to befriend the woman. Right. Because they think Which, they can reason with her, but she's just as fucking evil. She, it's like, the way she's talking, like, even if I, okay, like, let's put it this way, even if I didn't believe she was, like, evil to do these things, like, if she had been coerced into this shit, again, I do think that. Carla is very good at manipulating. I didn't write it in my notes, but I just popped in my head. I read it and I forgot to write it down. Is that like after she was like arrested, she had a psych eval and they were yeah. concerned that she wasn't going to pass her psych eval. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, she's setting herself up for down the road. Mm-hmm. Yup. Okay. And of course, she has to turn the conversation and attention back onto her and how she suffered in this situation. She says, I knew right there and then I was doomed to a life of hell and I could never do anything about it. I never thought of going to the police and telling them what I knew. I was too afraid. He had brainwashed me into thinking that I was going to go to jail for the rest of my life if I ever went to the police. He said that everybody would hate me. He just totally made me feel like I had no choice. As soon as I left him, I was so happy. I couldn't believe how happy I was. 
I felt like I was 17 years old again, and I locked everything I had with Paul away in a corner of my mind. I forgot about Tammy. I forgot about Leslie and Kristen. I forgot about everything, and, like, I made myself forget, and I went out and had a great time. But I knew I wouldn't just lock things away. I had to get it all out. I could never have lived with myself. I could live with myself for a short period of time, but I couldn't live with myself for the rest of my life. Bullshit. I'm bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. I need like a button for these people. I have one more little paragraph and that's where I will hand it to you because I'm done. (laughs) The last thing she says that I wanted to share with you guys. I'm so glad that he's going to pay for what he did because he made so many people's lives hell. He deserves to pay for everything he did and I deserve to pay for what I did. But that is why I'm telling you everything that I'm telling you. I want him to rot in jail because dying is too good for him. Damn, Carla. Yes. And that is where I'm going to hand it over to Jessica. Okay. So Carla like has is now talked to the Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad. This is who she gave these statements to. Basically, at this point, she talks to them and then they're like, okay, and she goes home, right? And then she is contacted by essentially the Crown Criminal Law Office, which is kind of what I would think of like a district attorney or like the state type shit. That makes sense? Yeah. So she, on February 11th of 1993, Carla meets with her attorney and his name is George Walker. And basically, he says, what's going to happen is Carla will come in and confess everything, what Tara does. Was talking about. She's going to confess everything, but she wants immunity. And they were like, um, I think okay, the no. fuck not. <laughs> well, at first they were like, okay. But they had gone into the house already and they had gotten an excerpt of, of a video because Carla was telling them she could prove that he did it because there were like videotapes of it, which was really fucking yes. dumb of her. Yeah. So they were like, okay, and they had found this like little clip of it. But if you remember of their victims, they had a victim named Jane Doe. She was, I think she was, if my memory serves, I didn't correspond this. I believe she was just like a, a rape, I don't want to say just a rape victim, but I don't believe she was murdered. She wasn't murdered. Let's put it that way. One of the Jane Doe's, the one yeah. that's called Jane Doe. Yeah, no, she, yes. Yeah. yeah she she was one. sexually assaulted. Yeah. Yeah. And so it actually is an excerpt of, basically Carla committing oral sex on her. And so mm. they were like, uh, you're obviously part of this shit because yeah. there's literally this like little snippet of you doing this. And so they were like, okay, because of that videotape evidence, we can't offer you immunity, but we can offer you manslaughter charges, which would basically should get two of them, mm-hmm. which would carry a weight of six years She'd do 12 years total, but they basically were like, if you do this, you'll most likely be out in three years. <laughs> Which I get, like, coming from, like, what she was asking for, it's a lot different. Like, asking for mm. immunity and getting through, like, 12 years. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating because on the other side of that, too, like, obviously, that's not enough. <laughs> right. Whatsoever. If you're already mad, like right now, guys, if you're already mad, this is not the episode to listen to because you're just going to get madder and meadder and meadder. It's just, yeah. it's, not, it's not good. So basically, she has all of this stuff and she has a week to say yes or no. 
And her attorney, George, would actually end up taking the plea for her, like accepting it. Mm-hmm. But this this deal would become known as the deal with the devil. Because at this point in time, the only I want to stress this, the only evidence that the police knew in this matter was that there was the one tape she'd already talked about and confessed to being coerced into participating in, in these activities. And they're believing this like battered woman story, right? That she has been abused, that she has all of that. Just so that everyone knows, because they're still legally married, they cannot Mm -hmm. compel her. Like they can't bring her before a court and be like, you have to, you have to testify against your husband. She has to do it on her own. So this is why this all starts happening. So she accepts the plea deal. And on February 17th of 1993, Paul is arrested. Mm-hmm. Many sources say that he was like, he was charged with like 30 counts, but like, I can't find them listed yeah. out. Yeah. I just wanted to put it out there that some people say that he was charged with like 30 ish charges, but like, don't we know. don't know. Yeah. The prosecution had their work cut out for them because they know that these tapes exist, right? In their mind, they're like, these tapes exist. We have to find them because at this point, they have zero evidence connecting him to the murders they have evidence connecting him to the scarborough rapist cases but not not to the murders Mm -hmm. so the only evidence that they have is carla's testimony against him right also the way that they got their search warrant was in the search warrant it specifically states that they cannot cause they can only cause like minimal damage to the house so basically we think of like when we think of a crime show, you think of like someone going in and like emptying out drawers and stuff, but mm-hmm. they they couldn't like call like they couldn't break into walls. They couldn't like do things like this is ninety three, so they didn't have like a lot of those fancy technologies to like look into the wall and everything. Yeah. So basically they have they only have her. They know the tapes exist. Also, here's the other thing. Once they find the tapes, they're not allowed to remove them from the home. They are to be viewed in the house. So imagine, even if you get this, you have to keep this place under lockdown so that you can view the fucking evidence. So they couldn't, like, take Uh. all of the tapes and take them to, like, like, imagine if, like, because obviously Paul was, like, videotaping every fucking thing. So I'm assuming he had just a shit ton of tapes lying around. Oh, probably, yeah. So imagine, like, if if you were at a crime lab, you probably have, like, multiple ways of viewing this. You probably have all this shit that you can use, technology. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that house, you're going to have, like, the camera and the t- uh, TV. So if there's, yeah. like, hundreds of thousands of hours of oh, tape out God. there for them to go through. It's going to take <laughs> yeah, a long time. Footage. Which just fucking pisses me off. Because I'm like, write the fucking warrant a little better, people. For real. So, yeah, they weren't allowed to tear down walls. The police would end up searching the house for 71 days. Holy shit. That's Mm -hmm. a long time. And the only tape that they could find that had evidence on it was the one I spoke of earlier. Oh, wow. So they were like, where the fuck are these tapes? And the only reason that they were in there 71 days is because that's when the warrant expired. That's so long, though. That's like almost two that's o- over two months. Yeah. It was probably like a 75-day warrant or some shit like that. 
I just don't know, like, what would take them that long. <laughs> well, they can't find the tapes. Mm, yeah, true. And they're probably going, having, because they have to view all of these tapes, depending on, like, what resources mm. they can bring down to that house. Yeah, you're right. Damn. It's probably, crazy. like, you know, you can't have that. It's not going to work. Yeah. So after this happens, the search warrant ends on April 30th of 1993. Enter new character into our story is one Mr. Ken Murray. Ken Murray is Paul's defense attorney. Once the warrant is expired and they can go into the house, they basically say like, oh, we're going to go get him some of his stuff, like personal effects. And because he's still in lockup, I'm pretty sure. Like he's been charged. So he's in he's in yeah. he's in the slammer. He's in the poke. Yep. Right. They were like, okay, you can go in. And once Ken gets in the house, they timed it. Paul calls Ken on Ken's phone, like his cell phone, and Paul walks him straight to the tapes. Of course he does. Which were hidden in a, a ceiling fan, like a, a light fixture. The investigators never found them. And so, like, literally 71 days, and then this... Now, to get more mad, guys, Paul instructs Ken not to view the tapes. He says, don't watch them, we'll watch them later, don't view them. (sighs) Ken goes, alrighty, Rue, let's do it. Let's all, let's just not watch those evidence tapes that the fucking cops are looking for. I'm sorry, but my nosy ass would be like, I'm going to fucking watch them. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Be like, you in prison. I'm not. I'm going to watch this shit. But he doesn't. In fact, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Ken, he has the tapes for 17 fucking months. So he gets them on May 6th, May 6th of 1993. He doesn't mm. turn them over until like September of 1994. Yeah. And the only, so he ends up, we'll talk about it in a minute, but he ends up like watching it. It's his whole big thing. So yeah, so he ends up like watching it. And then it's just, oh my God. But here's the thing. They end up watching it in October of 1993. Right. Not, not close. And they come up with this fucking genius plan. We're going to just use this to cross-examine Carla at the trial. Because we have all this fucking evidence that she's willingly participating. She's laughing and giggling and having this joyous time while these truly heinous things are happening. She can't get up on the stand and be like, I'm a battered woman and was forced to do this because the whole thing comes down to Carla's word against Paul's. Carla is saying, I participated because I was forced to, but Paul killed these girls. Right. Paul is like, "Mm -mm -mm mm-mm-mm. Carla actually killed them. But that's not how this is going to roll out for this this group of people. And I think Ken Murray is the loser of this story as far as attorneys. Yeah. After he basically has this and he's in this like ethical dilemma, like, what the fuck do I do? He goes to something called the Lost Society of Upper Canada. And they were like, you have to fucking turn these over to the prosecution. And you have to resign as his attorney. So he does that. We'll talk about that in a little. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. So they were like, okay, we're going to have a preliminary hearing before we go to trial. This is when we're going to cross-examine her with these, right? Because then if we remember like in the, I think it was in the Scott Peterson case, 
there was like evidence that was in the pretrial that then the defense didn't make it. Yeah, like the defense yeah. or the prosecution moved to have like have it know, removed. Yeah, so like stricken. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So it couldn't be used as evidence in the case. So this is what I think that they're setting this up for, if that makes sense. Like that's yes, what Ken is thinking. Mm-hmm. So back to Carla. Without the tapes, the government is forced to basically be like it's a paper thin case against Paul. So the only quote unquote mm-hmm. hard evidence, and I did put that in quotes, is Carla's word. Yeah. So on May 5th, 1993, George Walker accepts the plea deal of 12 years of, for manslaughter. So she'll get two charges. Mm-hmm. She agrees on the 14th, the plea is finalized. Yeah. So she's, she's accepting it. Carla tells the police during this time that there's up to the actual like rape numbers are in like closer to 30 than where they are now, than what the police knew, which was like basically right. double. Yeah. She goes into what Tara talked about with her sister, Tammy. She, you know, all this stuff. And then she continues to paint herself as the victim of this, like a battered woman who's afraid for her life, who's participating so she doesn't die. Mm-hmm. If I was the defense team, I would have used the whole, like, well, she's out, like, whooping it up afterwards, right? Right. Finding herself yeah. a new man's. Like, a woman who's truly, like, battered would not have been able to get away. Right. I mean, well... Paul was out. Not necessarily not get away, but it's, like, pretty sure if you if you were truly suffering in that situation... You'd be worrying about like what your next step is and your plan, you know, regrouping, not going out to get another dick. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, I think when I say get away, like. No, that I I got you. That's why I kind of just like had to explain. Her (laughs) actions don't line up because like if I was fearing for myself that this person was going to come and get me. Yeah. I wouldn't make myself accessible. Because they could get me at the bar. I'd stay home. So, yeah, so, but on June 28th, Carla goes and she is tried. And this is also around this time, once she goes to trial, because she is, she's tried, it's like basically very quick. Mm-hmm. And then she's yeah. sentenced on June or July 6th. So, like the 28th of June, July 6th. So she was sentenced. But something that is interesting to me is that there was a publication ban put on this, on this case. So Carla's mm-hmm. trial could not be publicized. Because of the fact that every, because the things that she was going to say at her trial were to implicate Paul and Paul has the right to a fair trial. So this would not, this would not let him have one. Right. So at this point, Carla is sentenced. She's in jail. And the way that the, the crown, the, basically the district attorney is like, we had to pick the lesser of two evils. And Carla isn't going to be that crazy. We'll follow up with shit with Carla in a later episode. Mm-hmm. So right now, yes. Carla's in prison. Bye, Carla. Bye-bye. We're back to Paul now. Yes. Okay. So both Paul and Carla were arraigned on May 18th, 1993. Carla gets the two counts of manslaughter. Paul is officially, like... You know, arraigned. So his arraigned like charges are two counts each of kidnapping, unlawful confinement, aggressive sexual assault, and first degree murder, as well as one dismemberment charge. 
like I mentioned earlier, Paul has the right to a fair trial. So the public, the publication ban put, and I want you to understand this, this pertained to Canadian pipers and publications and TV only. And I don't <gasps> know if you know where this, this town is, where, where they're close to. It's basically upper state New York. It's yeah. basically fucking Buffalo. Uh-huh. We're going to get into that in a minute, but <laughs> it's going to be real exciting. But So just keep that in your mind. Oh, there's just no, like, like Niagara know. Falls in between. Basically. <laughs> I like how I, I'm like, I like how I act like I don't know. <laughs> now you understand how I happen? feel. Like, I've done that before. I'm yeah. like, Ooh, and you're like, wait, the fuck? I know the story. Anyways. <laughs> so like I mentioned earlier, Paul's defense team was hoping to cross examine Carla and discredit her. But that never happened. And nobody knows, like nobody knows about the fucking tapes. And we're going to flash mm-hmm. forward to March 30th of 1994. Oh, by the way, he obviously pled not guilty to his charges. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Stupid Paul. Yeah. Uh, in March of 1994, basically, his preliminary hearing is canceled. So, like, now his defense, like, what they were setting themselves up for is gone. Which, to me, mm-hmm. seems really fucking dumb. That they put all their yeah. eggs in one basket, and it took them from March 30th, so basically April of that year, to September to like turn over those files. I would have been like, Five that months. door. Wow. <laughs> Literally. So while this is happening, Carla is like, remember earlier when she was fake social media posting about like her divorce? Mm-hmm. Yes. She actually files yes. for divorce in February of 1994. So <gasps> she's like, bye, Paul. Oh, snap. Which is probably good for her and, like, her down the road because, like, the truth is is that she's going to have to, like, be separated from him as possible to continue this narrative. It doesn't last very long for her, but yeah. But we get to talk about, oh, Americans. Oh, boy. So basically, this is during the budding age of the interweb. And one of the first things that kind of went online was, like, news. And... Basically, American journalists were like going into Canada, watching the shit happen, and then coming over and publishing it. And it went, oh my God, it was like huge in the Buffalo News. It went all, it went to like Detroit, Chicago, like I'm pretty sure it went everywhere. Spread. It even made its way to the UK. This shit was like blowing up. International. Oh my God. So, like, people in Canada were reading it online because they were finding out that these, like, other news sources had it. Could you imagine today having a, like, a no publicity, no publication ban? That would be so fucking hard. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when they do the gag orders during the trial and it just comes out later. But, yeah. But this was, like, interesting because Carla's trial was first. And all this shit oh, true, was true, in yeah. that. So if you think about it, like, they'd have to have, like, two gag orders. They'd have to have a gag order for Carla's trial and then a gag order. And it really doesn't, like, Paul's trial really doesn't make sense to be, like, gag order. Yeah, I was going to say. It's just Carla's. But Carla goes to court in 93, and Paul doesn't yeah. actually start court until 95. So that's, like, right. you know, a year and a half in which people have to be, like, don't fucking talk about this shit. But Americans. Nope. We fuck it up. It's like, this is one of those like mom- moments where it's like America's like, we play by our own rules. 
Yeah. Because if you're in New York, you're not subjected to Buffalo or to Canadian no. law. No. Unless someone in the United States wants to like be like, you know, you did kind of commit a crime. but it's not Yeah, really- but I don't think anybody really cared enough. Just saying. <laughs> so now we're flash forwarding to September of 1994. September 7th to be precise. Basically, okay. this is where Ken asks, basically at this point, he's been told he needs to withdraw. So he asks to withdraw from the case. And John Rosen is going to step up and represent Paul. John basically gets the evidence after it goes to the Crown. So they have it first. So I'm sure they made copies and everything like that. And I'm sure that, yeah. Can you imagine, like, just imagine being these, like, investigators, this, like, prosecution. And, you know, you probably worked a little bit on the Carla case. You might not have worked the full thing. And now mm-hmm. you're sitting there watching these videos and you're like, wow, that bitch pulled one over on us. I bet somebody said that. No, they're Canadians. Oh, for they're sure. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, it blows up this whole thing that happens. So because of the media that's happening, that's sneaking into Canada, they're like, we have to move this out of this area. And they do. They move the trial. In the summer of 1994, remember we talked about like Ken had that like problem with the ethics. So he basically consults with this is what happened. He basically consults with a guy named Austin Cooper, who is part of the Law Society of Upper Canada. And he basically says, look, you could be saying like you could get a sanction for this. However, he does not. Just want to point that out. I read this really cool article in the fact that with the evidence that got, you know, taken. Someone actually did a study because Ken was actually f- officially accused mm-hmm. and like, I guess, charged with obstruction of justice. And the mm. reason that they this is why the reason that they were like, why the fuck this dude? Did you do this? And they were going to try and tr- try him for obstruction of justice is because if Ken had turned in the tapes, they would have removed her plea bargain because he got those tapes in May. Oh on May 5th, which is, like, right after they, like, offer the idea of it to Carla. Right. Damn. And so if he had turned those in, Carla would not have gotten manslaughter. She would have gotten first-degree murder, and she would have been... And the way they look at it is she would have been convicted of it. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. I'm just gonna spoiler this for people. Carla is out living her life. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna say, Carla, if you ever hear this, you better fucking thank your lucky stars... Paul was a little shady because otherwise your ass would be so locked up. Yeah. Because one of the things I was like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't they go in into this? Like, can't they reopen the case? Like, you know, we had the Scott Peterson, like there was a juror who was, you know, who lied. That seems minuscule compared to like evidence being withheld from another like law professional, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't like the prosecution or the defense just, didn't provide this it's a yeah. another defense attorney in a different case with was purposely withholding evidence to fuck up later like he wanted <sighs> to fuck up carla later yeah but nothing came charges were dropped blah 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 mm. he wasn't sanctioned i still think that he should right. have been because yep. fuck that's so dumb yeah so now they have the tapes right and they go to they go to trial on may 3rd to the 5th of 1995, 12 jurors were selected out of a pool of a thousand people. And then the trial begins on May 18th, which is interesting because it's like two years since he was arraigned. Mm-hmm. 
And he basically goes in and the prosecutor, I'm going to say his last name wrong. It's Ray Houlihan, I believe is how we say his name, opens up and he says that like Paul is like a sexual sadist that basically mm-hmm. he he's going, he's towing the party line, basically saying that Carla was blackmailed into helping blah, 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 whatever. Because at this point, you know, they have to circle their own wagons. Right. An interesting thing about this case is that the jurors got, the jurors, I don't want to say got to, but had to watch all of the tapes, all of the evidence relating to the two murders of Leslie and Kristen. And they also watched some of Tammy's and then the John, or the Jane Doe, which we know about the whole clip. The jurors have to watch this. And they actually watch this before Carla takes the stand. Mm, so gotcha. to me, in a way, the defense kind of had that in their favor because they already have in their mind, like this woman was happily mm. participating. Right. And basically she testifies that like she was beaten and she feared for her life. And this is why she participated in it. And blah, blah, blah. We know the story. John Rosen comes at Carla real hard. While she's tested, because like she testifies from like June 19th to July 13th. Whoa. Yeah. And basically, in his cross examination, he accuses Carla of beating, beating one of the victims with a mallet. And she's of like, of course, like, no, 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 no. And they go through so many things. They, they have 86 witnesses, just the right. prosecution side. And then mm-hmm. when the defense takes over, Basically, you know, Paul admits to kidnapping and raping the two girls, but he spins it and says that they basically had this out of control sex life. He didn't kill them. He said they both died while he was out of the room. And he basically was spinning it back on Carla, saying that Carla, his whole thing was like Carla killed them because she was jealous. Right. Yeah. Which I was like, I don't know, but like Carla's saying that he killed them because they could identify him, in my mind, just is more logical. Right. Mind you, they kept some of these, they kept these girls for like days. Right. It wasn't like they picked them up and then dropped, like murdered them within an hour. It was days. No. So they could have just kept them. If she was jealous, she would have probably just kept them and tortured them more. Right. I don't know. So basically, this is a very interesting closing tactic that Rosen does, John does. He basically admits that Paul is the devil incarnate. Love that. Those are his exact words. That he raped, he kidnapped and raped and confined two girls. But he says, you can't prove he murdered them. Because there's no denying, because there's like evidence proof that they were raped Mm -hmm. and tortured and held against their will because they had videotapes. Paul fucking videotaped himself doing all this Mm -hmm. shit yeah and basically he's trying to poke holes in carla's story saying look she's not a credible witness because she's telling you she's battered but look at her in these videos Mm -hmm. i'm sure the prosecution was like uh but hold the phone like no she's just participating so that like he doesn't hurt her Mm mm-hmm The closing statements from the defense comes on August 28th. Houlihan, the prosecutor, basically, he says, look, even if you don't believe Carla, 
There's overwhelming proof that he did these like terrible things and that they ended up dead within like a short time after this happened. It's only logical that he killed them. And also Carla's not on trial here because Carla's not on trial. She's already been convicted. So that's August 29th. So on September 1st, after only eight hours of deliberating, the jury finds Paul guilty on all nine counts and he is sentenced Mm -hmm. to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for 25 years for the two murders. So basically, Paul currently could get out, but we're not going to talk about that yet. No. Also, just so that you guys know, he was also given the designation of a dangerous offender, which basically in Canada is kind of like the stay in jail card. <laughs> like, if you have that on your record, like, they're like, yeah, we don't let your shit out. But this is where we're going to end today because we have now sentenced them and sent them off to prison. And we will pick up next mm-hmm. time. What happened the fuck after? Because it's a. Uh, yep. It's not over, guys. Normally, this it's is where we're like, over. and then they serve their life sentence, and we don't ever hear from them again, but... No. No, no, There's no. more. There's so more. much more. Ugh. <laughs> With right. that, we're going to have to wrap up today. I hope you guys are enjoying this format that we have. Mm. Let us know. Go to the Facebook yeah. group. Join. Also, in real time, you only have like a week left to sign up for Secret Satan. <gasps> Yes, and get your live show tickets. Yes, super fast, mm-hmm. super, super fast. Get so it. get it, get it, get it. Get at it. We will see you back <laughs> on Monday for a regular episode. Bye, guys. Bye.